Good morning. Will you open up with me in your Bibles to the book of James and the fifth chapter? James chapter 5 is where we'll be this morning as we talk about practical prayer. We, we are in this sermon series that is uh, entitled Airplane Mode. And the whole point of the sermon series is that we need to put our phones aside, we need to put the distractions aside. And we need to learn to pray like Jesus prayed. We need to learn how to pray uh, in a way that just really connects us with God. And, and we've talked about some really difficult topics. We, we've talked about how, how we need to be humble in prayer. We talked about how to repent in prayer. And then last week we talked about uh, just the, the, the boldness that we have, the, the confidence that we have as we approach God in prayer. Today I want to read from James chapter 5. We're, we're going to start in verse 13 if you want to follow along. James says, If any of you is in trouble, he should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make that sick person well. The Lord will raise him up if he sinned, and he will be forgiven. And therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know, Elijah was a man just like you and me. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And then again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain. The earth produced its crops. Let's uh, pray over this passage. Father, I'm just so grateful that we can gather together freely in your name to glorify, to worship you. And I pray that you'll just bless our time together. As we uh, study your word, I pray that your spirit will open up our hearts and our minds, uh, that we may know you better, that our lives might be transformed, that our minds might be transformed into your image. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage says that Elijah was a man just like you and me. Yet, what an amazing life he lived. Elijah was fed by ravens. He uh, saw that the widow's flour and oil was, was so small, so insignificant, and yet the Lord provided, and that oil and that flour never ran out. He raised a man from the dead. He faced the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and he heard the voice of God. He even ended his time here on earth by being caught up in a whirlwind and taken to be in the presence of God. Wow. How amazing a life Elijah lived. And yet he was a man just like you and me. 
his life, though amazing, was not easy. 1 Kings chapter 17 tells the story of his beginning. Elijah was a prophet called by God to bring drought on Israel. The very beginning of his ministry led to the suffering of the people of Israel. And because of that, he spent most of his time here on earth on the run or hiding. The king wanted him dead. His wife wanted him dead. And so Elijah, though such an amazing life and yet such troubles that came his way, he still was a person of prayer. He experienced troubles. He experienced happiness. He experienced temptation and sickness. He was just like you and me. And James tells us that through it all, he prayed and God answered. James' words here are incredibly practical and I just want to dive into why it's so important for us to be practical in our prayers. And so I want to give you three observations today. If you want to follow along in your notes, write this down. That prayer is not always my first reaction. Am I alone here? Anybody else? Where prayer is not always your first reaction when you're happy, pray. When you're in trouble, pray. When you're tempted, pray. When you're sick, pray. But mine looks different. When I'm happy, I like to post it on social media. When I'm in trouble, I like to call a friend for help. And when I'm tempted, I'm hiding that stuff. When I'm sick, Call my doctor. But the practical nature of this story tells us that we should be, that prayer should be so natural and important that it is our first response. I think a lot of times we just take life for granted. We forget that prayer should be foundational to every part of our life. We sing the song that God is good. Do you believe it? Do you believe that he's able? I'm reminded of that truth in a song by Brandon Lake called Too Good Not to Believe. I just want you to listen to the bridge of this song. He says, we've seen cancer disappear We've seen broken bodies healed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen real life resurrection. We've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen families reunited. We've seen prodigals come home. We've seen addicts finally freed. We have seen troubled souls delivered. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. 
Do you believe it? That he's good and that he is able. Then allow prayer to be our first response. Paul gives a beautiful doxology, one of my favorites in Ephesians chapter 3, when he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let us make prayer the first reaction in life. And I think this second observation is also pretty important. That God wants to hear from me. God wants to hear from me. You believe that he's able. You believe he's good. Do you believe that he actually wants to hear from you? Just planting your hope and trust in this truth alone can change the way you pray. <laughs> Christmas is quickly approaching, is it not? Jessica and I put up our Christmas light, and the boys, the boys were helpful. We put up our Christmas tree yesterday. Have you considered what you're going to get your family members for Christmas this year? Uh, maybe you've considered how you might bless the less fortunate this Christmas. Our church partners with Lonsdale Elementary School every year to give a $25 gift to every student in need. Comes out to about 400 students in Lonsdale, and Cornerstone takes about 100 of those families. Why do we do that? What does that have to do with education? What does that have to do with mission? Well, did you know that a student's morale decreases and it's harder for them to stay focused and do well in class over the winter months, especially as Christmas approaches? Studies have shown that there is an increase in morale the student's behavior and attention improves when they have something to look forward to. I think this same principle works in our own lives. Do you believe that God wants to hear from you? Imagine your prayers if you didn't. Imagine if your prayers if you felt like you were bothering God with your requests. I know I'm happy right now, but it really isn't that big of a deal, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. You know, I'm in trouble right now, but I'm pretty sure I can cover this on my own. Those are the kinds of conversations that happen if you don't believe that God wants to hear from you. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Listen, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more 
Will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you hear that? Jesus is saying that human beings are imperfect, and yet, and yet, we know what to give our kids. We know how to care for our youngs. How much more? Oh, your perfect heavenly Father is so much more. I've got another observation for you. And this is my favorite. Prayer is uncomfortably social. Prayer is uncomfortably social. Let's look at the text. Have you ever eaten some fried chicken and then went like this or something? Right? How do you think it feels when oil is put on your skin? Think that's fun? You think that's comfortable? I feel like I need a shower just when I eat some chicken and rub it on my cheek. And you know there's a reason for HIPAA, right? It's uncomfortable for people to know my medical issues, let alone share it with people. And what about confession of sin? You want to talk about your temptations? You want to talk about the sin happening in your life? All of this is uncomfortably social, but it's also incredibly important. Daniel Henderson wrote this that I thought was just so good. In our culture of rugged individualism, we have come to the conclusion that it's better to pray alone than with others. Unfortunately, most of us never learn to do either very well. Like most disciplines of the Christian faith, we learn best to pray alone when we've been taught in community. Like many disciplines of the Christian faith, we learn best to pray alone when we've been taught in community. No matter how uncomfortable it may be, it is important to keep prayer social. The homeless crisis has been heavy on my heart and mind this week. I got to thinking about the bags of hope that we offer out here in the lobby. And I'm reminded about how easy it is just to hand someone that bag. It's, it's so simple, right? Here, here's a bag. There's also a prayer card in it. They can throw that in the mailbox, right? But there's one element to the bags of hope that is uncomfortable in its interaction. You see, just because someone is homeless doesn't mean that they're not a human being in need of social interaction. It's easy to hand someone a bag and say, God bless, but it's uncomfortable to say, hi, my name's Jeremy, what's yours? And it sure is uncomfortable when you start sharing prayer requests with one another 
especially because you don't know him or her. But how important is that social interaction for each of us? No matter how uncomfortable it may be. There's a story to illustrate this in Matthew chapter 15. We're told that Jesus, having left that place, withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And there was a Canaanite woman from that vicinity who came to Jesus, and she was just crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter's demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Now, I call this woman a level three outsider, right? Number one, she's a woman. And in those days, women would not be talking to men, and men were not talking to women. Number two, she was a foreigner. She was an immigrant. She did not belong there. And number three, she was a Gentile. And Jews thought Gentiles were unclean people. Didn't talk, didn't associate, didn't touch. She was a level three outsider. But it goes on to say that Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, would you send her away? She keeps crying out after us. And so Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And we can see at this point, right? She's begging. She's begging. Her, obs her obsessive begging is annoying to the disciples. You can see the picture, right? It's not a good show. And they want her sent away. And then in Matthew chapter 15, the woman came and finally just knelt down in front of them. You can see this picture, right? Jesus can't go anywhere. She's right there in front of him. And she said, Lord, help me. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she agreed. She said, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that very moment. Now, Jesus' words, they, they hit our Western ears pretty awful, right? You're like, hold up, Jesus. <laughs> Just call this woman a dog. You can't do that. That's against the rules, right? But Jesus was using a metaphor that she would understand. Gentiles, foreigners, they were seen as unclean, like a wild dog roaming the streets. And Gentiles didn't like Jews either. They had their own metaphors to describe their relationships. She and the disciples both know that Jesus came not for Gentiles, but to restore Israel. But that doesn't stop her from begging for scraps. And Jesus' response is even better because it takes a level three outsider 
and lifts her up as an example of faith. Tell me one time in the Gospels where James or John is lifted up as an example of faith. You're not going to find it. Peter once, right? When he acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ. What about the other disciples? How many times did Jesus actually lift up people who have faith? This level three outsider, we're not even sure she even believed in God. But she believed in Jesus. And this whole conversation, this whole prayer, this whole time with this woman is uncomfortable. But it was so very important to restoration and healing. And that's the goal, right? It's the same goal we have here in the text. That when we have sin, that when we have sickness, we want restoration and healing. You know, it was Billy Graham who once said that prayer is not about using God, but it's more about getting us in a position where God can use us. Amen? Let me encourage you this morning to allow prayer to be so natural and practical that it allows God to use you. Allow the knowledge of a God who loves you, who wants to hear from you. Open up opportunities for you to pray when you're happy or sad or trouble or good time in all of life's circumstances. And on a practical level, would you take yourself out of your little comfort circle and start praying with others? Become vulnerable, become transparent and allow the power of prayer to transform your life. As we approach communion this morning, I, I want us also to focus our hearts on how much we need God. How much we need God. We can't do it without him. We can't live our lives without him. And he loved each and every one of us so much that he sent his son. While we're singing this song, you're going to go to these stations here and grab a cup. God sent his son. The, the bottom cup has the bread that represents the body of Jesus. The juice represents the blood of Jesus. He loves you that much. You'll hold that cup while we sing, and when Richard comes up and shares some more thoughts with us, we'll take communion together. Will you stand with me this morning as we pray? Lord God, we need you every hour.
every day. As we reflect on our own personal prayer lives, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will convict us to remind us that prayer has become this focal point, that, 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 Lord, we can focus our attention, our love, our desire on who you are. Father, I pray that you'll work that kind of miracle in our lives, that you'll transform us that you'll use us in prayer. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.